the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Michelle Tafoya podcast, picking up on our year end review part two today. Oh my gosh. If we thought the first half of the year was just jam packed with activity and culture warfare and all the rest, we got a lot, lot more starting sadly in October. And we're going to get to that in this year end review part two next. It's time for the Michelle Tafoya podcast. I can remember that I flew out to be with my mom, who was ailing, uh, and I flew out, I think, October 7th or 8th, and it became quite evident once I landed and was exposed to all of the news that something absolutely horrendous and vicious and evil had happened in Israel. We heard about the hang gliding terrorists uh, attacking kids at a concert, a peace concert. We heard about kibbutzes being invaded, people being murdered, raped, tortured, things that I don't even want to repeat. It was awful. It was awful. And my sisters and I agreed that while my mom was there lying on her deathbed in our home, we brought her home from the hospital, we weren't going to talk about it out loud. We weren't going to let her hear this before she left us. And that's my vivid memory of it. And I'm sure everyone remembers where they were, whom they spoke with, or how they learned about all of this tragedy, this horrific, it's hard to call it a tragedy. It was a freaking terrorist attack. It was awful. Hamas, at the behest of Iran, decided to go kill a bunch of Jews. Let's put it bluntly. And I think so much of this was brought on by the fact that we have such a weak leader in the White House who has, I'll use the word appeased, Iran pretty much since he stepped in the Oval Office. I'm talking about Joe Biden, obviously. And when you give them an inch, they take a mile. And they took many miles. And since then, a full-on war has broken out, and we still have people, hostages. We recently learned of an American man who was killed, and his wife is still a hostage. I don't know that it was ever put more clearly, more hauntingly, than when one of the brothers of an Israeli hostage came to the White House and spoke. His name was Yonatan Lulu Shamriz, and he was clearly shaken, as you'll, you're going to see here and hear. But what he said should burn in all of our brains from now until this thing is over. And by over, I mean Hamas and even Hezbollah are completely destroyed. Listen to him here. This is a wake-up call, not only for Israel, not only for the Jewish community. This is a wake-up call for all of you, all of you here. 
all of America, all of Europe. You are next. You are next. Because in his point of view, and I think so many agree, they're coming after the Jews. They will come after Christians. They will come after everyone who isn't them. So when Iran burns American and Israeli flags in the streets and says death to Jew, death to America, they mean it. Death to Israel, death to America. They mean it. They mean it. They're saying what they mean and they've proven it. So again, I, I hearken back to what I said in episode one of this year in review that what's going on at our southern border is terrifying. I remember my sister saying, as this was all happening, because, you know, Israel is such a secure nation. And the fact that all of these terrorists got in the way they did and were able to carry out such horrific, horrific acts in such a massive way. And she said, I wonder if that could ever happen here. And I was sort of astonished. And my other sister and I in unison said, it already did. 9-11. And now we've got Christopher Ray saying he's seeing more alarm bells ringing in terms of national security threats than he's seen since 9-11. And we're just still just letting them in, letting in all these people from a lot of different countries Many of these countries absolutely hate us. Let them in. I could go on and on about that. Um, after all of that happened, it was astonishing to watch. Talk about a wake-up call. He was right. When you saw hundreds of thousands of people on American soil, American citizens, or people who have visas, who are here from Middle Eastern countries, saying, from the river to the sea, Asking, calling for genocide of the Jews in Israel. Asking for the wiping away of Israel. Our closest ally in the Middle East, one of our closest allies on the planet. It happened at Harvard. It happened at Penn. It happened at MIT, Stanford, Berkeley, all over the country. It happened in the streets of New York. It happened at NYU. And Jewish students were just kind of told to get used to it. But how can you allow a group of protesters to stand up on your campus and call for the annihilation of one group of people, Jews? Imagine, imagine if it were directed at any other group of people, if it were directed at Muslims, if it were directed at Catholics, Blacks, Asians. Do you think that would stand on any university, any campus in America today? Probably not, but they let this go. It exposed a lot of people, and primarily three Ivy League presidents were called to Capitol Hill and were grilled by one Elise Stefanik of New York. And it didn't go well for these presidents of MIT, Harvard, and Penn. It did not go well at all. And for those of you that weren't able to hear it, we're going to play sections from each of these presidents to you now, and then we're going to explain why they sounded so similar. But let's start with Sally Kornbluth of MIT. Here's Elise Stefanik questioning her. Dr. Kornbluth, yes. 
Does M- at MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment, yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated as, as harassment, if pervasive and severe. Okay, we'll stop there, and we'll, we'll pick up with Ms. McGill in a second. <laughs> it's harassment. There was no unequivocal, yes, that is against our code of conduct from Sally Kornbluth at MIT. Somehow she has survived. She remains the president of MIT. Okay, Liz McGill is the president of Penn. And so Elise Stefanik will pick up with how she interacted with Ms. McGill. Here we go. Ms. McGill at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your testimony that you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if if the speech becomes conduct... It can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. Okay, we'll we'll wait on Claudine Gay here for a minute. So, whoo, Liz McGill um, saw a massive, massive. I think it was a hundred million dollar donation withdrawn from UPenn after that, and so she did not last. I think she remains on campus in some professorial role. She is no longer the president, or until they find a new president at uh, UPenn, Liz McGill. I. Listen, um, in spite of, and we'll give you a little snippet of SNL's take on all of this, but they, they think that Elise Stefanik was out of line here. Oh my gosh, she was trying like crazy to keep it together because I think she was absolutely flabbergasted by these women's responses. I mean, it's just crazy. And thank goodness, as she said, the world got to see and hear it. All right, Claudine Gay, who has since uh, been accused of and really found guilty of plagiarism in a number of her scholarship papers. She's the president of Harvard. And um, they have discovered a number of, well, she committed plagiarism in a number of her papers and they've had to go back and correct them, but she still has a job at Harvard. 
in spite of the plagiarism and in spite of her testimony in front of Elise Stefanik in this committee. All right, let's move on to Claudine Gay. Let's listen in. And Dr. Gay at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual. Targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When and it is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. Bad preparation, ladies. <laughs> That's all I can come up with. Because your answers were hideous context, or if it becomes, if they take action on those. So in other words, I'm going to yell for the genocide of Jews, but it's okay until I actually start to practice the genocide of Jews. Or it's context. Well, it turns out that all three of these presidents were prepared for this testimony by the law firm of Wilmer Hale. That's W-I-L-M-E-R, second word Hale, H-A-L-E. You may want to think twice before you enlist them to prepare you for congressional testimony in the future. All three of them met with Wilmer Hale. And that's why all three of them sounded alike. Use the word context over and over again. Use the word actionable and completely denied that these calls for genocide were harassment or against the student code of conduct. As I record this, Claudine Gay still has a job. Again, we mentioned the plagiarism accusations. We'll see what happens. Um, and for those of you who suggest that people are coming after Claudine Gay because she is black and a woman, enough. Stop it. You know, women have long said, we want to be treated equally. Okay, that means that you are being treated equally, that you don't, people don't walk around on eggshells around you. You're going to get treated equally. And everyone wants to be treated equally. And by the way, that's why we have laws and rules, so that everyone is treated equally under the law. So Claudine Gay, if she commits plagiarism, if you're a student at Harvard, you could get expelled, you could get the boot for a semester, a year. They're just correcting hers, and she still has a job in spite of that absolutely horrific testimony on the Hill. Uh, SNL did a little skit, and they portrayed Elise Stefanik as this unhinged, screaming, yelling uh, idiot. And uh, you can judge for yourself how you feel about that. I am 
I'm here today because hate speech has no place on college campuses. Hate speech belongs in Congress, on Elon Musk's Twitter, in private dinners with my donors, and in public speeches by my work husband, Donald Trump. <laughs> so, Dr. Gay, simple question. Is it acceptable for students to use anti-Semitic language? Now, what measures are you taking to protect Jewish students at Harvard? <laughs> Again, uh, just the first one. This is personal for me. While I am not Jewish, I'm Roman Catholic, some of my closest friends are also Roman Catholic. <laughs> so, you pen lady, would you say that you are anti, 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 anti-Semitic? Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh my God, can you take a moral stance on anything? Can anyone here say yes to a single question? See, see, finally, a real president of a real university. And will you promise to eliminate all anti-Semitism from your campus? Okay, then will you offer a course explaining why anti-Semitism is wrong? <laughs> Thank you. Somehow that was the only straight answer I got all day. Well, please don't say the answer was straight. You don't know what the answer's sexual orientation is. All right, speaking of people who have plagiarized or done other misdeeds, Hunter Biden. And his dad, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, have often said they 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 don't interact about Hunter's Hunter's business. I think the president had said, I've never spoken to any of my children about their business dealings. Never. But then they found records of him playing golf, having dinner with Hunter and his business associates. So then it became I was never involved. But then they found the phone calls at the speaker phone at dinner time, whatever. I'm out to dinner with my buddies. Hey, dad, how you doing? Then it became something even more. So they've changed the story a gazillion times. So finally, Congress subpoenas Hunter Biden. And when you're subpoenaed to, by Congress or in a court, you can't just say, well, could I come on the date that I want to come? And, you know, can I bring my friends and all the? You can bring friends, I suppose. But anyway, the point is when you are subpoenaed, you are expected to show up. But Hunter decided not to. He said through his lawyer that he would show up if he could go on a public hearing. So let's let's imagine a public hearing with Hunter Biden in a congressional chamber. And the cameras are on and it's taken up by all the news networks. And all the Democrats would say this, Mr. Biden, thank you for making time in your day. I, I, I'm so sorry we had to drag you in here to do this. And, you know, really your only crime is that your father loves you so much and that you were, you were an addict. And I know you've cleaned up since then. And you're just being persecuted because you're an addict and your father loves you. And we're so sorry. How are you doing? How's the artwork going? And the Republicans would come after Hunter with you know, both barrels blazing. And it would be nothing more than political theater. That's why Hunter Biden wants a public hearing. See, when you go and you do an, a hearing that, that is closed door, that's when the real questions get answered and asked. Maybe not answered, but asked. 
that's when the real stuff that can't be asked in public for security reasons or others, that's when they get answered is behind closed doors. But Hunter decided to go to Capitol Hill the day he was expected, but he didn't go to his hearing. Instead, he gave a little speech on the steps of the Capitol outside of the Senate side. And here's old Hunter and what he said that day. For six years, MAGA Republicans, including members of House committees who are in a closed door session right now, have impugned my character, invaded my privacy, attacked my wife, my children, my family, and my friends. They've ridiculed my struggle with addiction, they've belittled my recovery, and they have tried to dehumanize me, all to embarrass and damage my father, who has devoted his entire public life to service. For six years, I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine, shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Let me state as clearly as I can, my father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. Well, yeah, I certainly not as an artist because uh, here's the issue. A private Chinese businessman? <laughs> There's really no such thing. Because anyone who does business in China has to be okayed by the CCP. They have to be, you know, aligned with the rules of the Chinese government. So there's not really any such thing as a completely private Chinese businessman, Hunter. But notice the important part there. He was not financially involved. So now we've gone from, I was, I've never spoken to my son about his business dealings to now my dad's not financially involved and you've just attacked me because you're the Trump machine and you've attacked me because I was an addict and you've made fun of me and you put nude pictures of me out. No, Hunter, you know what? You put those photos out. You did that. You did that. And I, quite frankly, I don't really care. And I don't think most of America cares how much cocaine you snorted, how much you drank, whether or not you paid for hookers. I, I really don't care. That's not the crux of this issue. What we want is equal treatment under the law. Accountability. Because everyone else has to pay their taxes. In fact, if you listen to your dad, Hunter, everyone needs to pay their fair share. It just doesn't seem like that many people in the Biden family really go along with that. Or they just do it late. It's okay. I'm a Biden. Oh, so there's that. But the year ended with quite a bang. Not only did Congress decide they were going to open an impeachment inquiry. Remember, this does not mean they are impeaching Joe Biden. It's an inquiry which allows them another level of investigative power so that they can dig in deeper to the stuff that where this all of this evidence is taking them. That's what they say. Uh, and if they've overreached, uh, it'll come back to bite them. Believe me, it will. 
But in the meantime, all of that sort of fell out in the news when the state of Colorado and their Supreme Court decided to kick Donald Trump off of the ballot in the state of Colorado. So seven justices, all appointed by Democrat governors, all appointed by Democrat governors, seven of them were split, pretty much split down the middle. When you get a 4-3 decision, that's pretty much split. Four, though, decided that Trump is off the ballot in Colorado. Now, there's a stay on that until January 4. But but that that's kind of a, beside the point, because what they've done here is they've said, you're not allowed to vote for this guy in the state of Colorado because we think he's an insurrectionist. And they went to the 14th Amendment, the third article, and found a very interesting way of applying it that nobody else found. But here's the important part. They have said that Donald Trump is an insurrectionist. Okay, I'm sure I know a lot of people believe that. You can believe that the sky is gray and when it's sunny outside. It doesn't matter what you believe, there are facts. And here is the fact that you can't really get around. No matter how much you hate Trump, no matter what, how much you love Trump, you can't get around this fact. He has not been charged with insurrection. And because he has not been charged with insurrection, he's never been found guilty of insurrection. But these four judges, they said he's an insurrectionist. He's off the ballot. Now, this is going to go to the Supreme Court and of the United States, and they are likely going to overturn this. And hopefully it will be a unanimous 9 nothing decision. Because what they did in Colorado was a little scary. They said that we four appointed, non-elected, appointed judges can tell you who you get to vote for in Colorado. And it's interesting, too, now, because you see a lot more blue states saying, we've got to do anything and everything we can to get them off the ballot. Look what Colorado did it. We got to do it in California, in Illinois, you know, wherever. So that is what we're ending the year with. The Democrats constantly say we're out to save democracy. Democracy is at stake. Democracy is on the ballot. So you know what we're going to do in Colorado? We're going to break democracy to preserve democracy. It's like saying, you know, racism is abhorrent. So we're going to punish everyone who's white because there was racism against black people. It's like saying... uh, it's 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 like this knee-jerk reaction to to try so hard to overcome a, something you think is a problem that you make an even bigger problem doing it. I think it's interesting, a couple notes about these judges. The four who voted to kick Donald Trump off the ballot are all Ivy Leaguers. There's a Harvard, there's a Yale, there's a Penn, and there's a uh, Virginia. And the three who said, no, 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 we can't do this. This is unconstitutional. Those three graduated from the University of Denver Law School. I don't know. It's just a just a little observation. But we'll see where this goes. Many, many, many legal scholars have come out and said this is unconstitutional. The man has not been charged. I, I, doesn't matter what you think or how you feel, folks. That's not how we get things done in the United States. If we start just acting on feeling, oh God, 
we're on a real slippery slope. So if you feel that he's an insurrectionist, fine, feel that all you want. But the facts say he hasn't been charged. And of all the 91 counts against Donald Trump, not one of them is for insurrection. But the Colorado Supreme Court not only accused him of it, they convicted him of it, and they have kicked him off the ballot. I assume that will be overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States. If not before the end of the year, then in early 2024. Regardless, what a way to finish the year. What a year it was. And I'm hoping and praying for more sanity in 2024. Because it seems like we have just taken the world. Like it's a little snow globe. We've not only shaken it up, but we flipped it over upside down. And everything is backwards, upside down, nonsensical and insane. And the whole reason I started this podcast almost two years ago was to try to bring some sanity back in the conversation. And I almost get the feeling that people are trying to push things, push that pendulum so far in one direction toward insane, that even if it does settle back somewhat, we're still going to be just a little bit insane. I don't like that idea. I like I like us to be living by processes, by law, by rule, and in a world where authentically caring, devoted, patriotic people are looking out for the best interests of everyone. I could go on and on, but our time is up. But 2024 will start anew, and we will be there to look at all of the issues with you and for you. And we hope you'll stick with us. So subscribe, download, tell your friends. Thanks for a great 2023. Be brave. We need a coalition of courage now more than ever to stand up for what is right and what is sane. And do good. Do just a little bit of good every day if you can. No matter how small it seems, it will pay off. And we'll see you next year. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.